it made me feel like if I can do this, there's probably a lot of other things I can do that I didn't realize I could do. There's a part of me that doesn't see it as a nonfiction book. It's more of a narrative or a story. Like everybody during the pandemic, I started listening much more to audiobooks while I was taking walks. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet science journalist and author Melinda Wenner Moyer, sleep researcher and neurologist William Chris Winter, and children's and YA author Cami McGovern. Melinda Wenner Moyer talks about drawing inspiration from science to inform parenting. William Chris Winter draws out the nuances of children's sleep issues. And Cami McGovern reflects upon the experience of getting behind the mic and reading her book aloud. Enjoy. Hi, this is Melinda Wenner Moyer, author of How to Raise Kids Who Aren't Assholes, Science-Based Strategies for Better Parenting from Tots to Teens. The reason I wrote my book was I found I was getting increasingly worried by and frustrated by the bad behavior I was seeing all around me, particularly from some politicians who were in power. And as a parent, I started to realize that what I wanted more than anything else for my kids was that they didn't grow up to be assholes. And I started talking with other parents who were saying the same thing, that the most important thing to them was they just didn't want their kids to be assholes. They wanted their kids to be compassionate and kind people who fought against injustice rather than contributing to it. And as a science journalist, I started digging into the research on how to build character in kids, and I realized there was just this rich literature that no one really had translated for a lay audience. And it started to feel like my duty as a science journalist, to write a book that could help a whole generation of parents raise compassionate and kind kids. And so that's how my book came to be. One of the big themes of my book is to talk to kids about feelings, let them have feelings, talk about your own feelings, and show them compassion and connect the dots for your kids in ways that you might think is overly obvious, but Kids sometimes don't understand, you know, why we ask them to do things or why something is hurtful or why something is offensive. And so we need to go out of our way to really make those connections clear and connect those dots for our kids. And so I hope that's one of the big takeaways that listeners have. I've never done anything like this before. I was definitely nervous. I was worried I was going to lose my voice or just totally lose the plot. And I did it, and I had a lot of fun doing it, and I think a lot of it is because I had a wonderful director. <laughs> but it made me feel like if I can do this, there's probably a lot of other things I can do that I didn't realize I could do. I realized I have a lot of scientist names in my book that I had no idea how to pronounce <laughs> and that we had to look up, and yeah, names are tricky. So this is completely out of my league, but my dream narrator would be Bonnie Turpin. She was actually the first narrator I ever heard because the first audiobook I listened to was The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And she was so phenomenal and just so warm and just amazing. And so, yes, she would be my dream narrator. 
So I started listening to audiobooks during the pandemic while I went on walks, just walks up my road because I needed to escape my house. And so now, really the only place I still listen to audiobooks is on these walks, and I've kept doing them, and I love how it connects me to my community, and I get to be out in nature, but I'm also just listening to these phenomenal books. It's wonderful. The last great one I listened to was The Dutch House with Tom Hanks narrating. I downloaded the audiobook without knowing he was narrating, and then I started hearing him talk, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Tom Hanks. And he was just phenomenal. He really embodied the main character. I mean, it was unlike any other audiobook I've ever heard. It was phenomenal. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. In April 2019, my friend Celia was driving her 7-year-old daughter Ella home from Target when her phone rang. It was Celia's mother-in-law, Ella's grandmother, and Celia answered the call using Bluetooth. They heard very sad news via the car speakers. Ella's great-grandmother had just passed away. Ella, though, seemed unperturbed. Throughout the call, she piped up from the back seat with unrelated questions, like whether she could watch TV when they got home. At one point, she yelled unsympathetically, Who died? This is W. Chris Winter, MD. I was inspired to write The Rested Child because of the kids that I see in my clinic. And that number of kids seems to have grown over the past several years. And the other motivating factor was when you talk about writing a book about sleep in children or kids, or if you mention it to others, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember reading a book, you know, soon after we had our child that really helped us to get our kid to sleep. We have sort of linked up book on sleep in children with book on how to get your baby to sleep through the night. And while I think those are incredibly helpful and valuable books, to me, they're just a subcategory of books under the umbrella of books on sleep in children. And like I said a few times throughout the book, once your kids move beyond the infant and toddler years, that's actually really when the sleep problems get humming. And for an individual who's struggling with a kid who can't sleep or a kid who snores or an autistic child who stays up through all hours of the night, there really isn't a great book on kids and sleep out there for that individual. And I really felt the need to write that. If I had to describe in one word what it was like to record my audiobook, I would use the word trepidation, not for the actual heavy lifting of the sitting down and reading the book. I just remember after recording the audiobook of my first book, The Sleep Solution, making a solemn promise to myself that I would never write another book without reading through it out loud from cover to cover once before I sat down in a studio, just because I remember recording my first book and thinking, that sounds a lot better in my head than it does on paper. So before recording this book, I did sit down and read the entire book out loud, much to the dismay of my family, who was like, why are you sitting back in the room reading out loud to yourself? There are many things that I realized I couldn't pronounce. The word similarly is a struggle for me, especially if it's sandwiched between two other words. So to say 
similarly in and of itself is no problem, but you put it in a sentence and I really struggle with it. There was a time when I recorded my first book, the word similarly was in there and the way it was structured in the sentence, my director basically said, you know what? Let's just replace that with a different word and move on. So I think I used similarly three times in the text and I think I did okay with it this time. I think I've been practicing a lot to deal with it. I think this book would be classified as sort of nonfiction science. But when I wrote it, it's deeply personal to me. These are real patient stories. And good or bad, I was their doctor. So whether I figured out what was going on or didn't, these were the stories that they shared with me. So I'm very proud that I'm able to use my voice to tell their stories. And it's not some other voice actor or somebody else, because even though this will get put upon a shelf of nonfiction health, there's a part of me that doesn't see it as a nonfiction book. It's more of a narrative or a story. And I would be really disappointed to not be able to tell the story in my voice. Plus, I don't think it's fair for a voice actor to say a terrible joke and it bomb. That really should be me either taking the glory for the joke that makes you laugh when you read it or listen to it or makes you feel like this guy should stick to sleep doctoring and not telling jokes. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook and could cast someone, my first choice would be David Bowie. I've always loved to listen to his voice when he is interviewed. He's got such a calm, sort of soothing voice. The British accent would elevate my words. If I could choose somebody who is living now, I think it would be Matt Damon. He does such a fantastic job of eliminating that barrier that he has being a famous Hollywood star. And immediately when you see him interviewed or listen to him on the radio speaking, you think, I bet that guy's a really cool guy that you could sit down, have a beer with, and just talk, and he would be super cool. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was a book by Bill Bryson called A Short History of Nearly Everything. I just found it so remarkable in that he took something that was very big and expansive and condensed it down into one pretty accessible audiobook. And the whole time you're thinking, oh, I need to get a book about that subject in particular because that little introduction he gave to it was outstanding and makes me want to get more. And I hope that I've sort of patterned my writing or my books like his in that I don't think the entire explanation for every sleep problem is within this book, but hopefully, A, I've gotten you excited about the subject and presented it in an exciting way, and B, have given you maybe some ideas and motivations as to where to get that information. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks would probably be divided into two. The first is when I'm with my family traveling. We always make sure we have one to two audiobooks downloaded and ready to go as we drive through Iceland or explore the Pacific Northwest. And those are fun because they're usually some book that appeals to everyone in the family. So that's sort of one 
specific situation. The other is when I travel by myself, either by car or plane, I always have one sort of ready to go. And it's usually a little different than what maybe the entire family wants to listen to. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Two children are sitting under my exam table fighting over an iPad featuring a virtual pet named Lady Gaga, who requires some type of care or it will die. There is a heated disagreement as to whether it should be fed. An older girl is reading Junie B. Jones has a monster under her bed and seated next to her mom, who is nursing child number four. Mom begins. I thought I'd been given the worst sleeper in the world when Emma was born, but Gabe is going to take that title from her, I think. Emma peers up from her book, looks at me with an ashamed expression, and resumes reading. Hi, this is Cammie McGovern, author of Hard Landings, Looking into the Future for a Child with Autism. I wrote this book because this was the book I was both desperate to read when Ethan was much younger and also terrified of. I wanted to know what his future would look like, and I was also scared of that. I think that's a really common impulse for many parents, and I'm not sure it's really a useful one because it means that you're kind of denying the progression of your child becoming an adult, and I wanted people to feel reassured with the wide range of possibilities that are out there, and also with a realistic picture of what it might look like for your child and for the other kids with autism and IDD that you might know. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be thrilling. I have long been a huge fan of audiobooks and have always secretly had this as a fantasy. If I wasn't going to record my own audiobook, I would cast my sister, who is Elizabeth McGovern and an actress best known for Downton Abbey, but is also an extraordinary audible book reader, and I have always dreamed of having her read one of my books. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver. And it was part of discovering that listening to books that you remember loving but read 10 years ago or more, and especially if it's a really long book and it's a really good quality audiobook, is such a pleasure because you already know the story well enough. It's like returning to a place that you visited, and that's an especially good one. I just loved it. I'm currently listening to Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy, and it's the same experience, just really long, immersed in a world that I remember loving years ago. Well, like everybody during the pandemic, I started listening much more to audiobooks while I was taking walks, and it added a lot to my experience because there's certain hikes that I remember what was happening in the story that I was listening to at the time, and I pair those in a surprising way. So I really love doing the walking and listening at the same time. And now, I hope you enjoy a clip from my audiobook. 
Every parent of an autistic child can tell you something about making lists. In the early days after Ethan's diagnosis at the age of three, I made them compulsively. Words he understands, words he uses regularly, only a handful at that point. Songs he can sing at least part of. I also had lists of goals composed in bursts of optimism for what he'd be doing soon. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.